Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, David Hook continues our series of messages on the Gospel according to Mark. Today, looking at Mark chapter 1 and verse 21 through chapter 2 and verse 12. And now, here's David. Thank you for that opening, and and uh, we rejoice with Josh in his baptism this morning. It's been a great morning as we've remembered the Lord and seen this testimony of his uh, faith. We're back in, uh, we're still in Mark. We're just starting in Mark. We're going to be looking at the first chapter and the beginning of the next chapter. Let's just take a moment to pray. Our Father, we're grateful that we can be together and we can be here to remember you, that we can be here to rejoice and, wor- and worship together. We can also uh, are grateful that we can see the testimony of this young life who, who has uh, dedicated himself to you. And we pray for Josh and for his uh, future life and, uh, and his uh, life with you. Ask, we ask, Father, this morning that you would help us as we study these passages and these thoughts to, again, Turn our eyes on Jesus and to come to him as the one who calls us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, a young man was very excited to be going on a missions trip. An assistant was needed and he had been asked to accompany a couple of mature and highly respected church leaders on a journey to some distant countries and different cultures. He wondered what an assistant missionary might do. Would he make travel and accommodation arrangements? Or maybe he could help find the venues or publicize the visits. There may even be a possibility he could help spread the message. <laughs> I didn't ask you to come forward yet. That's going to be later. That's a powerful message. <laughs> That's okay. Well, he couldn't wait to see how God might use his gifts and talents. He wasn't a new Christian. He had been a follower of Jesus for a number of years and was well known to his local church. And with much anticipation, the mission team set out. Arriving at the first foreign country on their tour, they began proclaiming God's message. Despite some initial opposition, the message found receptive listeners. And soon it was time to move on to the next country. But the young assistant experienced some type of crisis. There are not enough details given in the accounts to know exactly why, but for some reason he was unable to continue on the mission and he was unable to perform his duties. He had to abandon the trip and return home. His colleagues were disappointed, but continued on the mission without him. Now, I'm sure... Many of you have already recognized that this is the story of the writer of this gospel that we're studying this morning. Mark was the young man who, for some reason, was not able to function in his role as an assistant missionary. So if this can happen to a writer of the New Testament, it is quite evident that any of us might experience times when we become unable to serve or dysfunctional. All of us are flawed in some way, How do we overcome or how do we deal with these flaws that we all have? 
This morning we're going to hear about four people who've experienced the healing work of Jesus in their lives. I think that we can learn something of the restorative work of Jesus from their stories as recorded by Mark. It is heartening to know that Mark was able to overcome his disability, and even though Paul thought him unreliable, Barnabas gave him another chance, and later Paul was able to admit that Mark had become a useful member of the missionary team. But before we look at Mark's story, I'd like to go back a little bit earlier in the scriptures, as a matter of fact, right to the very first page of the Bible, and just remind us of this short poem, <coughs> excuse me, this short poem in Genesis 1:27. God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So there are many opinions as to what the image of God might be, but I want to suggest that one, I think, has significant merit. The image of God may be explained by the verses that come before and after this poem. In them, God gives people a job or a vocation. The job? is to rule over the world. In other words, people are to be his representatives in the world and to rule in God's um, power and place. We are given the job of being co-regents. In this role, people are to care for the world as he would, to be his agents of justice and restoration and love. People were meant to be the reflection of God's glory. Unfortunately, people rejected this role Instead, they chose to rule independently and seek their own glory. Because of this choice, they became dysfunctional and were no longer able to function as God's representatives on earth. God's image became distorted and flawed. Restoration of that image would be necessary if people were to live as God desired. There are many opinions what Oh, sorry, I think that's, I've already been there. <laughs> the Hebrew scriptures then tell us that God chose a people to represent him in the world because the original, um, uh, original people failed. But God chose this family of Abraham and they were given the role as God's chosen people. Unfortunately, they also chose to forsake that role and to chase other image. But God did not give up. Through the prophet Isaiah, God speaks of a righteous servant whose sacrificial life would bring about redemption and restoration. This servant would faithfully bear God's image in the world. The servant songs of Isaiah, the most well-known being Isaiah 53, gives us a profile of one of who would come to restore humanity's ability to be God's people and to fulfill their vocation. These songs specifically make mention of the healing ministry of the servant. Now, healing is a metaphor for restoration, the restoration of God's image. Here are a few references to illustrate the servant's work. And notice these references to healing, release, and restoration. So, The first servant song is found in Isaiah 42, and here's a part of it. This is what the true God, the Lord, says. The one who created the sky and stretched it out. The one who fashioned the earth and everything that lives on it. The one who gives breath to his people on it and life to those who live on it. 
I, the Lord, officially commission you, that's a reference to the servant, I take hold of your hand, I protect you and make you a covenant mediator for people and a light to the nations, to open blind eyes, to release prisoners from dungeons, those who live in darkness from prisons. Isaiah 49.5, another of the songs, part of it. So now the Lord says, the one who formed me from birth to be his servant, he did this to restore Jacob to himself so that Israel might be gathered to him. Isaiah 50, verse 4, the sovereign Lord has given me the capacity to be his spokesman so that I know how to help the weary. And the most famous, uh, well-known of the uh, servant songs in Isaiah 53, here's verse 4 and 5. But he lifted up our illnesses. He carried our pain. Even though we thought he was being punished, attacked by God and afflicted for something he had done, he was wounded because of our rebellious deeds, crushed because of our sins. He endured punishment that made us well because of his wounds we have been healed. It's interesting that Isaiah calls this one a servant, and Mark in his gospel portrays Jesus in this very way, Jesus as a servant. And this, this verse is a, a key verse in Mark, and we will certainly hear it probably time and time again as we study this book. Mark 10:45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So I believe that Mark has been intentional here in the selection of these healing stories that we're going to look at. He chose them to convince his readers that Jesus matches the profile of the servant in God's, the servant of God in Isaiah's poems. Mark is making the, state, the argument that Jesus is God's righteous servant whose sacrificial life will bring redemption and restoration to humanity. Jesus is the anointed one, the Messiah. People need to come to him and follow him. That would be Mark's desire. Mark records four object lessons. I'm going to call them object lessons. These are sort of the, the stories and the accounts of these people who have met Jesus. But they become object lessons in that they teach us about this servant who is here. They become lessons which illustrate the ability of the servant to heal infirmities. The infirmities represent the flaws which have distorted the image of God and made these people dysfunctional and unable to fill God's, fulfill God's purposes. Uh, it's just interesting to me that there are four stories, and that sort of roughly corresponds to the four dimensions of health that we talk about or that, that uh, psychiatrists and sociologists talk about. They are the mental, physical, social, and spiritual di uh, dimensions of life. And we know that um, any of, one of these can cause us to be dysfunctional if we have a problem in any one of them. Um, but each of the stories that we, we read today highlight a different one of these dimensions. It's also evident that we can have derangements or dysfunction in, in more than one of these areas in our lives. The first lesson, object lesson, uh, is found in Mark chapter 1, verse 21 to 28. This, by the way, is a picture of the ruins of a synagogue in Capernaum. And it was there, well, or in a synagogue near there, where Jesus was teaching on the Sabbath day. 
So he's teaching the people and everyone is blown away by his teaching. He teaches with an authority that they hadn't really experienced before. They have never heard anyone teach like this. Mark is obviously highlighting the uniqueness of Jesus. But right in the middle of this meeting, a man began shouting at Jesus, Leave us alone! Have you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One of God. And it turns out this man was not in control of himself. Instead, he was under the influence of a force opposed to God, an unclean spirit or demon. Jesus commands that spirit to leave the man. And with a shriek, it does. Again, his unique authority is evident. So in this lesson, we see a man who could not think for himself. In this case, he was under the control of another spirit. Something was disrupting his thinking ability and is impairing his ability to come and worship with the other people at the synagogue. His true identity had been lost. Now, I recognize that in this case, there's certainly a spiritual problem, but it is illustrative of those whose minds are not functioning normally. There are multiple conditions which can result in the loss of mental or psychological wellness. Some are due to physical derangements of the brain, like head injury or uh, med- medical, uh, chemical and hormonal imbalances. Others result from the adverse life experiences that they've suffered, leading to mental illness and mental unwellness. Still, others are a result of substance abuse or some other addiction that impair the ability to think. So any of these conditions can hinder one's ability to act as God's image bearer. In this case, an encounter with Jesus brought about a reintegration and restoration of the individual. The dehumanizing effect of the affliction was reversed and his ability to think and function was restored. In the second lesson, we are introduced to Simon Peter's mother-in-law. Mark 1, 29-39. It turns out she wasn't at the synagogue that Sabbath day because she was home in bed with a fever. Here's something we can all relate to. Physical illness. Some are minor and some are serious and even life-threatening. We have all experienced these kind of conditions to some degree and we are sure to face more in the future. Many of our prayers are offered in support for those facing physical illness. The thing about these problems is they they decrease our our capacity to function. Just like Peter's mother-in-law, they limit our ability to participate in our image-bearing activities. Jesus arrives at Simon and Andrew's home. He goes into the mother-in-law's room, takes her by the hand, helps her up, and immediately she begins to serve. Her capacity to serve and work was restored. She had been made whole again. I've often heard it said that Jesus is just a crutch. <laughs> Crutches and I go way back and we, we have a good relationship. The implied criticism is that crutches are for the weak and infirm and it is a sign of a weakness when they are needed. But such criticism misses, misses a couple of key ideas. Firstly, it devalues crutches. These aids to mobility are wonderful tools in restoring function. If you can walk much better with a crutch or a walker, 
then by all means use one. If we can do what we could not do without them, then it makes perfect sense to use them. Now, I'm using a hidden crutch today as I stand here. So just over six years ago, this was me. I'm the one on the ground. And I was skiing along the trail and it was icy and I was going much too fast, of course. And I fell. And as I was falling, I thought, oh, I've fallen before. This is, you know, just something I do. But this time it was different. Something changed. I hit the icy trail very hard and I was going very fast. And when I came to a scraping stop, I soon diagnosed my own problem, fractured hip. And I now was in need of restoration. Fortunately, a team of people were available to put me on the road to recovery. Here's the paramedics and the firemen. They have a neat little inflatable toboggan that helps. You know, this is really, I learned a lot that day. Um, but they brought me to where my colleagues were. And they, my colleagues assessed the problem and decided that I had broken parts. I knew that already. But they thought that they should replace them with this titanium part. So technically my hip is still broken somewhere. But functionally it has been restored and my flaw has been overcome. I now walk and stand here thanks to this internal crutch. Secondly, people who belittle crutch use don't recognize their own flaws and weaknesses. They think of themselves as self-sufficient and are offended when help is offered. Rather than bearing God's image, they have rejected that role and have chosen to believe in an alternate reality where they call the shots. They are in, they're in for a rude awakening when they find that their resources are inadequate or come short. But everyone is flawed in some way. Paul wrote that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. No one on their own is able to live up to the potential of being God's glorious image. Everyone needs the hand of the servant who came to bring healing and restoration. Everyone needs to come to Jesus. When I was lying on that ski trail, I knew that I needed help. It wasn't hard to figure out. If I had said, I can make it on my own, I wouldn't be standing here speaking to you today. I would have never gotten off that trail. There'll be just a frozen lump there somewhere like that. So don't, don't let pride prevent you from coming to Jesus. You know, we all have the need to come to Jesus. The third account that Mark has selected is recorded in uh, verses 40 to 45. And it's the story of a man with leprosy who comes to Jesus begging to be healed. Now, leprosy can be a devastating disease which not only ravages the body, but in Mark's day, it amounted to a sentence of isolation and loneliness. Lepers were outcasts from society. They had to socially distance from everyone and even announce to others that they were unclean. This illness represents a severe impairment of social health and well-being, loss of community, Loss of financial stability, loneliness, and feelings of inadequacy are all prominent features of social illness. So we may think we've made a significant advances over the last 2,000 years. We have in treatment of leprosy, but social ills seem to be as prevalent today as ever. We continue to have many that are outcasts and unwelcome in society. Poverty, race education status, 
homelessness, substance use disorders, sexual orientation, and gender are just a few examples of the criteria by which we assign value to individuals. Those who are deemed of lower value or undesirable are denied many opportunities. They are labeled as a problem. Jesus reached out and touched the unclean man. And in doing so, he restored his status as a person. Jesus affirmed this man's value and potential. Even those that society has discarded are valuable in the eyes of God and have the same potential as anyone else to bear his image. The last illustration of the servant at work is very well known, the very well-known account of the paralyzed man who was brought to Jesus. And it's found in the first 12 verses of chapter 2. At that time, Jesus was back in Capernaum and teaching in a house. People heard that he was there and began flocking to the place. So many came that it was impossible for the ones carrying this paralytic man to get anywhere near Jesus. Desperate to get their friend to Jesus, they climbed up onto the roof, removed the roofing material, and lowered the needy man down to Jesus. Such an awesome display of faith and faithfulness. Jesus commends their faith and then says the most surprising thing to the man who was paralyzed and laying before him. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. What? (laughs) Jesus, don't you see his obvious problem? He can't walk. Yeah, Jesus could see the man was physically disabled, but he perceived the more serious problem was a spiritual condition. The man before him was enslaved by sin and desperately needed to be freed from that bondage. Hence, he proclaimed release from the control of sin and restoration of his relationship with God. Jesus healed a condition that affects everyone. There are none who are righteous. All of us have gone astray and sought other images rather than that of our Creator. By doing doing so, we've listened to the lie that tells us that we can be our own God and we have been enslaved by the dark force that promotes that falsehood. The the metaphor that describes this condition is death, total inability to function. There is no way a dead person can perform God's given vocation. Only Jesus the servant is able to give life. He alone is able to redeem and restore. He is the one and only one who can heal this condition. This morning, we have witnessed this action symbolized in baptism. Immersion in the water symbolizes death and burial. However, the one being baptized has joined their death to Jesus' death and emergence from the water proclaims resurrection to a new life made possible by the servant's own death and resurrection. In order to illustrate and prove that he was able to restore life, Jesus goes on to cure the paralytic's physical condition as well. He commands the man to get up, pick up his bed, and go home. Again, the crowd is just blown away by what they witnessed as the man did just that. Jesus' critics rightly recognize that only God has the ability to heal our spiritual illness. This is, pro- <clears throat> this is precisely the point Mark wants his readers to understand. God himself, in the form of a servant, has come to heal his people. At this point, no doubt some will be asking, 
Well, if Jesus heals our diseases, why are many of his followers struggling, struggling with the burden of illness? So we must remember that the healing is a metaphor for restoration and redemption. Indeed, Jesus does heal everyone that comes to him to be freed of the bondage of sin. For those people who put their trust in him, he transfers them from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. He restores their life by making them a new creation. They are made whole. They may bear the scars of mental, physical, or social disease, but their spirit has been made alive as they have been given new life. Although physical healing is always a possibility with Jesus, he often chooses to use our weaknesses for his purposes. Paul the Apostle suffered from a physical ailment which he asked the Lord to remove, but the answer that he received was, My grace is enough. My power is made perfect in weakness. So how many of you have heard of Nick Vujicic? I don't know if I can say his last name right. Vujicic? Some people have. Yeah. Now, a few months ago, I was for the first time I heard of him, I was watching one of the supplemental videos of the Chosen series. And in this video, Dallas Jenkins, who directs that series, was speaking with Nick. Nick is a pastor and an evangelist who is having a tremendous impact on millions of lives through his ministry. He has a remarkable story and is a shining example of one who is bearing God's image in this world. When you see Nick, the first thing that you notice is that he has no arms or legs. Although born without limbs and enduring unimaginable hardships, Nick has become a powerful example of God's power being made perfect in weakness. One of his memorable quotes is, It's a miracle of God for a limbless man to be his hands and feet. So I'd highly recommend you watch that YouTube video of Nick and uh, uh, Dallas's conversation. You'll really be blessed and challenged. And I put a link there in the uh, on the slide or you can just search YouTube, put Nick and Dallas's names in the search box and it'll pop up. Or there's lots of other videos of him in the uh, in YouTube as well. But yeah, take a look at what he has to say. Very, very, very uh, challenging. Mark has purposely recorded these accounts to persuade people that Jesus is the servant of God who can restore and heal them. In chapter 1, verse 37, he records that everyone was looking for Jesus. He wrote this gospel with the desire that everyone would find him. We all need to come to Jesus as we are all flawed people. He is the one who can restore and heal our flaws. With that restoration, we can find fulfillment and purpose in our service to him as his image bearers. Everyone needs to come to Jesus to experience the life that he offers. This initial meeting is life-changing, but it doesn't end there. Picture a vintage car that has gone undiscovered for decades in a dusty old barn. Rust and rot are obvious. And the engine is dry and seized. It may resemble a car, but nothing works. The restorer then gets to work, takes everything apart, carefully removes the corrosion from the engine parts and repairs or replaces the vital parts, lubricates everything and rebuilds the engine, cleans the plugs and the carburetor, fills the gas tank and gives it a crank. How rewarding it must be when the engine catches and begins to run. The car now has a chance to do again what it was built to do. But the work isn't finished yet. 
There are other, many other things that need attention. The tires, the brakes, the body all need work. And the work of restoration is never really complete. Like that car, those who have come to Jesus have had that restoration process started. But every day there's more to do. Some of these flaws will require daily maintenance. We need to come to Jesus and stay with Jesus. Without daily maintenance, our ability to carry out our God-given purposes will be diminished. Perhaps this is what Mark experienced on his mission trip with Paul and Barnabas. Maybe it was doubt or homesickness. Maybe he had trouble getting along with Paul. Or maybe he got sick from the food. Whatever it was, he seems to have been restored again and set out with Barnabas on another journey and somehow found the time in all of that to write a gospel. I've asked the music team to lead us in singing the old uh, song, Just As I Am. I used to think of this song as an invitation for those who had never come to Jesus. And it is, it, it is that. But later, as I sang it after experiencing life's ups and downs, I realized that the words had a message for me as well. And even though I had come to Jesus, I still need to come to him when I find myself unable to function as God desires. Mental, physical, social, or spiritual maladies can render us metaphorically bedridden. During those times, we still need to come to Jesus. Jesus tells us that the issue is a matter of connection. He says we need to abide in him. When we become disconnected, we lose the vitality that keeps us productive and functioning. Come back to Jesus. He will restore us again. The, the words are there and Hannah and uh, the team are going to lead us in them. But these, these are the verses that I, I find to be so challenging. Just as I am, though tossed about, with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings and fears within, without, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, poor, wretched, blind, sight, riches, healing of the mind, yea, all I need in thee to find, O Lamb of God, I come. Amen. Heavenly Father, grateful for this time that we could spend this morning. We commit the, uh, this meeting to you and our time going forward until you come or until we meet again. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you're in the Timmins area or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.